The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not represent that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we are streaming live on wvfs.fsu.edu and are also on air locally on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida. If you would like to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. And as always, if you miss the show or any other future show, you can always go back to us and listen on the Tomahawk Talk podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts at. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sebastian Andriano. I am your co-co-host. I'm I'm just here. Um, I've been called up by um, our regular host, uh, William Haynes. Uh, to help out and fill in while he's uh, away um, during the summer. Uh, joining me tonight, I've got two uh, V89 regulars, uh, people who are still here as uh, students, and one of the best and brightest that we have. Uh, I'm going to start out with my other co-co-host uh, here, um, my buddy, uh, Jack Oliaro. What's up, Seb? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's great to see you again. Uh, I can't stay away, apparently, from this place because... Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, even though I made this whole thing where I'm like, all right, I'm done. Goodbye. I am retired. Uh, then, like, William just comes up and he's like, I'm pulling you out of retirement for one last job. You're never the, really done. No. Never. No. <laughs> even if I say, you know what, I'll do one last job and then I'm out of the game. And they're like, I'm pulling you out of retirement one You're more gonna time. You're going to have, yeah. like, four last shows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll come in. And, and, and people, like, break in all the time. I mean, alumni, like... Ryan Kelly, um, Brett Rutherford, I believe we had them on last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're never truly gone here at uh, V89 Sports. Uh, all roads lead back here um, on the stop to uh, Palace Saloon. <laughs> uh, joining me tonight, as you might have heard, is uh, another great friend of mine, um, one of the best and brightest that we have here at V89 Sports. Uh, give a warm welcome to Amanda Colson. How you doing? What up, what up? I'm good. How are you? It's been it's it, this is weird, you know, but it's it's a good weird yeah, to have. Yeah. I never thought I would, you know, see Jack outside the prod booth, but you know, this is good. We need this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh so as many of you know, if you are regular listeners to um V89 Sports through all four seasons of the year, uh we kind of treat summer as kind of a spring training where we kind of uh, give our chance, give uh, everyone here a chance to kind of stretch their legs, get out of their comfort zones, and give everybody here a, a, an opportunity to grow. Even me, who has been here for five years, has an opportunity to grow here. Um, this is my first time actually hosting a show straight up. Uh, I've done the co-host bit, but uh, Jack and I are both kind of simultaneously hosting, co-hosting, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the show today. Co-co-hosting. Uh, co-co-hosting, yeah. yes. <laughs> Um, so we've got uh, a big show for you, a big slate. We're already uh, six minutes in, and we have not talked a little sp- lick of sports. Let's correct that now. Uh, we're going to kick off, as we always do, with Seminole Sports, where we'll be starting with uh, FSU Baseball, who's coming off of a very big week, showing up in a very big way. But there's still a lot of work to be done if they want um, a foot in the door for the, FS- or for the uh, NCAA Baseball uh, World Series uh, regional tournament or super regional, maybe who knows? Um, they started this week out against in a two-game series against Jacksonville, uh, against Jacksonville, where they took both games, two-one uh, and five-four, for a two-zero uh, sweep of Jacksonville during the midweek series, and uh, a huge, huge game against uh, or a huge, huge series against uh, nationally ranked Miami, where they uh, took the series two-one. Um, at following a bad, bad loss um, off of a Parker Messick start. Not necessarily his fault, but they did lose that game 2-8 to eight, and then won the next two during the weekend series, including the crucial Sunday matchup, 6-4 and 6-4. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with that. Um, uh, Amanda, I know you were at, uh, you covered one of the games and you uh, worked, um, or you were, we were both watched uh, the Sunday game. Uh, do you have any initial thoughts to, to kind of get us off the jump? Honestly, I'm surprised would be the biggest thing because we have not had the best, I feel like not have the best success. You know, if we don't get that Friday game being successful the rest of the series, um, I think it's more, you know, you lost Friday, it's like, oh, well, now let's just see how long we can survive, not really win. So I was really, you know, really happy to see, like, the grit in this team and to see how they performed this weekend against a very good Miami team, you know, without our 
you know, star performance, like our star player giving his best performance, you know, it's really, it is, it's almost like a light at the end of the tunnel because, you know, we've been seeing a lot of inconsistencies with pitching. You know, that's always, that's been a big um, factor this year. But this, this, um, this weekend was a really a light for me personally, I think for the rest, a lot of FSU fans as well. And I think this momentum that we have now, we just need to, we need to carry it throughout the week because we, there's a big week coming up. I don't know if you mentioned – I mean, we've got Florida on Tuesday, which is huge. You know, rivalries aside, you know, they're a very good team, and we've lost to them already this season. Um, and then we've got North Carolina series, away series, which we have not been very good away. And no, I think yeah. – We've not been very good away. And uh, going back to the Miami series, uh, it's kind of a reversal of what normally happens where – uh, the momentum's usually carried on that uh, Friday where Parker Messick puts in an absolute yeah. masterpiece of a performance. And then Saturday is usually in good hands of Bryce Hubbard. You maybe lose it, but he's usually a solid pair of hands. And then Sunday is a uh, pull something out of the mystery bag and see what happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It really depends on the hitters on Sundays. And yeah. uh, Saturday was an unchar- not exactly an uncharacteristic performance from Messick, but just the Miami bats were just, they were hauling. And they were moving at such a pace. Uh, they allowed... Um, Allowed Parker to give up five hit, five runs, uh, I believe seven hits. So he didn't exactly no, he had did not have a good day, game. In fact, probably had his uh, we were talking earlier, probably his yeah. worst start, worst performance of the season. And that's saying something considering he's usually the gem. He is the gem amongst this team, uh, and obviously why he's the main starter. But Bryce particularly had a good weekend. What, what were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I I I definitely want to harp on that um, point about Miami's bats. We can't understate how incredible they are have been uh, offensively this year. Yeah. I mean, just look at their first three hitters, their, their first three up. Their leadoff is C.J. Crafus hitting uh, 370 at the end of that series. After two losses, he's only, only, only. Uh, hitting 370 as his batting average, which is just incomprehensible to me. That It's insane how consistently you can hit yeah. at this level. Um, then right up, right after him, you had Ebor Alice, uh, more of the same, hitting 338, and then clean up Maxwell Romero, uh, Maxwell Romero Jr., um, hitting 277, very much in that slugging position where he's he's go- hitting for power, not really hitting for for uh, contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just down that line. I mean, on Sunday they had no hitter um, in the rotation that was seriously um, under the Mendoza line, um, under 200, mm-hmm. um, to eke out uh, a 2-1 series um, after a really messy uh, first start in the first half of a double header. Um, shows you, like you said, Amanda, like a tenacity, kind of a way to clear your head, kind of shake, uh, shake it off and, and grind out two very, very um, tough games. Uh, Especially a doubleheader. Like, with, I mean, doubleheaders are hard as it is, you know, and it's like, Friday, like, I was not there. I was planning on going. It's a, it's hard to, like, mentally prepare yourself for a game and just, like, have it delayed and then canceled all at once. It's like, okay, now what? You know, so you have to come back and get back in that same headspace is very hard. Um, so I, I give the guys a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, doubleheaders are never fun as it is. And, you know, playing, what was it, 2.30 and 7? 2.30, yeah. yeah. Like, and it, it wasn't, like, it, it's like a bad loss, too, at the very beginning to, to, to brush yourself off. And it's like, okay, okay, we got to go. We got to go, like, now. Um, yeah. All you do is, like, put on a different uh, set of clothes and, and you're back out there in less than two hours. Yeah, like it really that, is that's what impressed me a lot, especially, you know, coming off such an ugly win or ugly loss as it was um, that first game, and then not even – it was probably less than two hours after, like you said, you know, getting back out there in the same stadium against the same team, you know, that's like – that's a hard – that's a lot of – like, it's a hard mental thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Jack, is there any player in particular on this FSU lineup that you really want to um, hit on before we uh, move on to uh, FSU softball in a little bit? Uh, mostly in the series, uh, I feel like the player of note was really Tyler Martin, in particular uh, that Saturday evening game where he went three for three. Uh, none of them were home runs or anything flashy. It was just – you can tell he was the, the coach's son, yeah. uh, hitting singles, hitting uh, hitting stuff, hitting not playing small ball, but he was just getting hits and getting on base and went oh. three for three. Um, and he, he played accordingly, and it was a big part of the reason they were able to get going early. Uh, another big reason FC was able to come out that later evening was that uh, Miami commits three errors. All of them were throwing errors. Um, I believe two of them were by the catcher. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
And this was all before the fifth inning, and FSU can only capitalize with just one run off of those. So there's a lack of production off those mistakes. And Knowles, both, uh, both the Saturday evening and Sunday game, they hit into double digits both times, um, which is really... Again, the bats are really they're icy hot or they're fiery. Uh, icy hot. That ain't. That's a product <laughs> placement. Um, they're either icy cold or fiery hot. Uh, there you <laughs> go. But um, they were hot this weekend and in probably in one of the most um, clutch situations, like especially coming down the end here, where you have again huge, huge away um, series coming up with uh, Florida and UNC. So, uh, the yeah, the player of, of note is uh, Tyler Martin going three for three, um, and Bryce. Bryce Hubbard had a he had a fine game. Didn't uh, best pitcher, best starting pitcher on the weekend for the Knolls, but the pitching um, uncharacteristically did not take, wasn't taking the the brunt there. Uh, it was usually it's um, the batting is playing weak, and the pitching usually helps out quite a bit. Mm. This weekend it was the bats who were in full supply, and the pitching was enough. Um, as you mentioned, Parker probably was one of his worst games. Bryce gave up five hits, uh, still put in a good outing though, and is now. He now has the lowest ERA in the starting rotation, mostly because of Messick's uh, mm. getting eaten up uh, that day. And then Carson Montgomery has a shaky start uh, and just had a bullpen of a day uh, coming in Sunday. They get it done eventually. Ross Dunn redeemed himself uh, after he had a really bad showing Tuesday against Jacksonville, where in that performance, um, yeah, he allowed a hit-by-pitch, or yeah, hit-by-pitch, wild pitch, walk, and another wild pitch, and a single all Five, five in a row to allow Jacksonville to be in contention for that first game earlier in the weekend. So for him to bounce back, work five innings, really stabilizing on a, on a bullpen day, that was crucial. So Ross Dunn may be earning um, some good faith with the rest of the uh, rotation there. All right. Well, um, going off of that, it's it's a good thing that the, uh, the Florida State batting um, was in high supply because the uh, Miami batting is never out of stock. Um, like like we said at the top of the hour, we are looking forward to the um, game at Florida, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where that is kind of a must win if you're if you want a regional uh, host, uh, regional hosting uh, assignment by the NCAA for the uh, College World Series. Um, and then finally, to close out their season uh, officially, is the uh, series out at uh, North Carolina in uh, Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And. And it's going to be tough for them. If they can get maybe three three or four of those games is a success. If you get the best case scenario is if they, you know, they find they can get past Florida. They lost that game in Jacksonville. Uh they won at home I believe a couple weeks ago. If you can get one over Florida, that's not only uh rivalries are the games that change that can change your season. You see that in football a lot. And in baseball it could do the similar thing where Getting in this case just they this win over Gainesville would be huge in giving the momentum. Uh, two days later, traveling up to Chapel Hill, where really maybe a series win is some is kind of it seems necessary at this time of year. Normally, wouldn't say that, especially since they're only six and nine on the year away. Um, nice. But it is a definitely a must-win situation for them. All right, and I think that's enough uh, Florida State baseball. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, tomorrow for Florida, and then this uh, last back half of the week for uh, UNC. But for now, um, we're now done looking at the future for a little bit. we got to look to the past um, and another ball and stick sport uh, where FSU softball had a big, big weekend um, out in uh, North Carolina as well um, for the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State has made it. Uh, they have won the ACC for the 18th time, um, a high mark uh, in the ACC, mm-hmm. um, 13 clear of next best Georgia Tech with five championships. Yeah, um, um, FSU is they, they've been running the ACC. It's just they they won the uh, they won that ACC championship from the years uh, 2014 all the way up until t- 2019, where really they only didn't capitalize on that because of COVID the following year. And then uh, last year, uh, they looked primed to, you know, run the ACC again. But then a, uh, a loss to Duke really um, really un- undoes, uh, undoes all that hard work. Um, but we'll get into that later because they had a rematch with them. But uh, about Lonnie Alameda, uh, she's now only two away off ACC titles from Joanne Graff. Uh, and really just seems like a matter of time before they can catch that legendary number. Granted, the ACC is getting a little more competitive as more teams are coming in, like Clemson and Duke. 
uh, who are having stellar performances. Virginia Tech uh, has been particularly amazing uh, from the ACC this year as well. But um, it seems like that that's a number that you can catch. And, you know, when you name the field after a coach, especially Joanne Graf, uh, it could be a matter of time where maybe a few decades from now we could see her name maybe being the fielder being named after her. Uh, what a legendary, uh, just a legendary coach. I think there has to be something to, oh, like – Something has to be named after her. Like, like, like a, it could be a, a Dick Hauser situation where you have uh, Dick Hauser, Mike Martin Field at Dick, Dick Hauser yeah. Stadium. Lonnie Alameda Field? Yeah. I, think so, I mean, work. she needs, like, for the, you know, what she's done for this program, like, not that this is how we repay her, but, like, I feel like that's the only necessary, like, that's, like, the highest honor. Credit where credit is due, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she deserves it. All right, let's let's go through this uh, tournament run because we have here on our um, show notes. We have, we start out with the uh, the quarterfinals where Florida State played Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin, can you give us a quick rundown? Yeah, Devin Flaherty was really the uh, player of note that was uh, good on the offensive side. She hit a double a double a solo shot. Uh, Knowles had a five nothing lead. Uh, looked pretty comfortable, uh, but then in the seventh inning, um, FSU gives up three runs. Uh, which was a little nervy, but they get it done. Florida State is able to get by. Uh, Catherine Sandicock pitched six innings uh, pretty cleanly, a few runs here or there, but really went out and just dominated as she we're just accustomed to. Catherine Sandicock shows up. She does what she does. Mac Leonard shows up. The final inning uh, comes in the circle, and off three pitches, um, it is a hit, a hit, and a hit. Three batters, three pitches, three hits. Uh, drawing, drew a run in. And you have two women in scoring position on second and third. Uh, you, they had to bring Cat back in, move Mac back to first, and made their defensive um, basically reverted to where they were prior. Uh, they gave it two more runs, unfortunately, on that um, on that note. But they held on and had that semifinal rematch with Duke. Um, this is after last year where they were uh, rudely dismissed from the ACC championship by Duke. Correct. This is a revenge game. Yes, it was. They actually disrupted by them in the semifinals. It wasn't quite the championship, and I think it's the first time Florida State hasn't made the ACC championship in possibly a decade, wow. which is right. huge. Yeah. But really, just a testament to what this program has been able to do. And they did extract their revenge over this, uh, Duke. Uh, the Knowles they served a meal best served cold in revenge. Uh, Kaylee Mudge and Kaylee Harding were they had particularly great days at the plate. Uh, four RBIs between the two. Uh, Daniel Watson, Catherine Sandicox, they split the pitching, uh, gave up six runs off nine hits. So, again, kind of like uh, baseball, pitching is usually the um, the hallmark and usually the eye-catching stuff. But uh, today was, or that day, it was the batting that really got it done. Um, but another thing was that um, in that game, FSU had a 5 nothing lead. Um, two, two two-run bombs um, in the, and a double in the second. All in, all in the second inning. Uh, Duke then answers right back with six runs over the course between the second and sixth inning. So they're getting consistent hits. They're really getting into uh, Sandercock and Watson. But in the crunch time, as um, if you've been watching this team, you're just sort of used to it now. The Knolls get it done somehow, and their special inning is the sixth inning. They get three runs through the field. They, no home runs, singles and doubles, and they drive in 8-6 to come back from They come back from 5-6, get to 8-6, and then through the championship, and it really was that revenge game where I believe the Knolls were down. They lost 1-0 on like a um, wild pitch. It was it was really a tough outing mm-hmm. last year, so it was really good to see them pick themselves back up and just kind of see what we've always been seeing here in Tallahassee. They can just always find a way. They're really they have that winning mentality that maybe this baseball team and really a lot of programs here would envy and really would like, love to have that winning and. They're just bad losers. It's just uh, no other yeah. way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Women's they, sports school. That's what we are now. They yep. hate it. They hate losing so much that they try to do the least amount that they possibly that's true. can. That's true. No, that's great. Finally, we have our ACC uh, championship recap. We'll we'll touch this and then we'll uh, move on to our next topic before the uh, half hour break. Yes. So the championship pretty much lived up to its billing. Uh, it was very much back and forth. Uh, Mac Leonard started in the circle. Surprisingly, uh, she gave up three early runs. But those were not mostly on her part. They were mostly down to errors on first baseman Kaylee Harding. Kaylee Harding usually plays in the outfield, um, and the usual first baseman is Mac Leonard. There was a couple um, throws that looked like easy ground outs, and then uh, Kylie Harding would maybe lean too much off the lean too much off the base, or it was maybe just a missed throw by um, one of the infielders. But it allowed three um, 
three runners to get on that really it should have been a maybe a maybe a a, a double and nothing more but instead um there was two two early uh easy to handle errors and then uh, it allowed Clemson to get on the allowed Clemson to get on early um but both of them both of them commend themselves as uh Mac and uh Kylie both uh singled and hit home runs uh with Devin Flaherty herself and after about three innings, it's about 3-1. Uh, and then Clemson hits right back with some nasty hits in field. Uh, they have the lead back. It is uh, 4-3. Again, it is super back and forth. Kaylee Harding, 4-4. Uh, Clemson homers, 5-4. Kaylee Mudge then flies out. Uh, it's five, And the runner scores in. It's 5-5. Five, five. Um, it seemed like it was destined to go that way until really the pitching got a hold of itself in the latter innings. And then in the sixth, sixth inning, it's, it's, it's Knowles' inning. Mac Leonard hits a three-run bomb, uh, 8-5. One more Clemson run is scored in the seventh, and FSU are champions. 8-6 is the um, same score as the semifinals, and FSU are champions once again. First time since 19. Seems like a while since we've said that, um, but it's something that really we've always been used to hearing, but it's it's been a sec. Uh, and we talked about last week, but again, serial, serial winners. No matter circumstance, they pound right back they blow a five nothing lead no problem uh you know we're gonna do we're gonna play in the park tactically hit our way to victory as they did against um against against duke uh in the heavyweight bout punches are being exchanged back and forth via home run and small ball uh they pull up with a definitive knockout blow in the form of a three-run homer by mac leonard uh this team deserves to be hosting the super regional and they are and guys we'd be shocked if they're not back fighting for the championship against maybe an oklahoma or someone like that yeah, if these girls aren't back in Oklahoma City this season, then... Not to say it's a failure, because that's a little harsh, but... No, no, no. I just think I would need to wake up. Like, I think that, that'd be, a, like, a nightmare. I, yeah. I honestly... Because there's... I It almost seems like a shoe-in with the way that these girls have been playing mm-hmm. so far. Not to jinx anything, but, you know... They're undefeated in non-conference play as well, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, 17-0, and and they're, they're 9-0 and in neutral sites, uh, mostly dating back to that... Um, Clearwater um, Invitational early in the season. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, this team is iron. They'll they'll have they'll host a super regional here in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are twenty four four at home. Ultimately, a super regional, even though it is a neutral tournament. Mm-hmm. Still, you you play at home. Um, so the, I I firmly believe that returning to the women's college world series is absolutely the expectation for this team. Um, and I I think holding them to any lower standard is honestly a disservice to that side. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we've got about five minutes before um, it's more like four uh, before uh, we can uh, go to the break at at the thirty mark. Um, but our next topic is going to be the NBA uh, conference semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just about done. Uh, this will be also a look ahead to the um, NBA conference finals as well. Um, we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, we'll dip our toes in with uh, with the first matchup, probably the one closest to home for most of our uh, most of the listeners here in uh, Florida region. Uh, whether or not you are actually from South Florida or not, um, at the end of the day, if you're in Florida, chances are uh, you're at least watching the Heat. Yeah, we have um, we have a few more uh, my, uh, people down south than I'd like, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, Orlando's rebuild will end eventually. I I think. Maybe well, been since, since the '80s, maybe since Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> maybe and that's disservice. Maybe Dwight Howard. Yeah, yeah. But, or, you're, uh, or you're weird like me, and you're from South Florida, and you cheer for a team in Oklahoma City for some reason. Yeah, that is <laughs> weird. That is really weird. Um, but we'll have to. We're let let let's jump on on, on this now. Um, so starting off with uh, the Heat Sixers series. Uh, anytime the Sixers are playing, it's almost must-watch TV because mm-hmm. it's not a matter of if they will blow up, but a matter of when they will melt down. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an expectation uh, for any Doc Rivers side. You're just tuning in for the post game to see which player he'll throw under the bus this time. So, going off of that, um, Sixers, two games, Heat, four games. Um, and it wasn't particularly close. The, these were not pretty games, the, the ones that the Heat... Uh, one, uh, Jimmy's side really brought it to them. Uh, Jimmy Butler played an excellent, excellent series. Um, but uh, Amanda, I know you're the, um, I know you're the, uh, you're a self-proclaimed Thunder fan, but you are from the region. Uh, give me, give me like a vibe with how uh, things were down there throughout the, throughout most of the series. If you did watch it, I mean, I not to like, not to say that I'm. I mean, I have been, you know 
I've been following more teams than other. I have mm-hmm. not really. I mean, besides all of the um, the banter in our group chat, yeah. um, I have not followed the Heat as closely as I should, considering I'm probably an hour away from the stadium. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, they've proven themselves. You know, I, I went to the Heat-Thunder game, and, you know, the Thunders, you know, they're this is the Thunder, so we're not going to touch on that. But, you know, they're an elite team, and they've proven themselves and through, you know, playing against Joel Embiid. I mean, but you've got you've got so much talent on the Heat that I think is consistent across the board. That um, they, are, they are missing uh, Kyle Lowry. That is um, true. That is uh, one thing that was, like, a big question mark in the series where it was uh, um, Kyle Lowry's availability. Uh, they wanted to see if the, he could actually play the series, but it, it looks like it, he wasn't able to play any of the six he games. He did play one game, actually, uh, and then shortly afterward I just... Maybe I didn't watch the rest of it, but all of a sudden I see him back on the bench. I don't know what happened because I saw him suit up. I believe it was for a game in Philly. It was game three or four. I don't remember. I think it was three because it was it was Joel Embiid is back. Kyle Lowry's back. It was a big, all right, everyone's back on the series. Let's let's get this underway. But, um, yeah, so last time we were on here, I, th- I believe it was 2-2 or, or um, it was tight. And we were thinking, all right, can the Sixers really get back into this? And I fell victim to the I fell victim to the Sixers. I I believed. I believed. I'm like, all right, Joel Embiid is back. They're performing. James Harden had a great game for him. Like, you know what? Everything is lining up at the best time possible. They're going to go into Miami. They're not going to dominate, but they're going to get the job done and then return to Philly, get it done in six, uh, four straight wins. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, they did not show up uh, in the country, really. Uh, they were in another continent, for as far as I know. Um, the, Heat's, the Heat, uh, for a lack of a better word, scorched them. They scorched them. Um, but I... That yeah, there good. we go. That was good. Uh, <laughs> again, I really thought the Sixers could roll them, but it was just a, it was a flash, and I don't know. The Heat were just consistent. Whether you want Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, uh, Bam Adebayo is doing what he does. It was just it was the Sixers were not there. Joel Embiid, I mean, he was there and put up a you know a good fight. It was almost on. Not he was on autopilot, but it seemed like the rest of his team was on. And there's only so much he can do, you know. And we saw we see that with the Buck series too, which we'll talk about. Oh later. yeah. For for me, it, it, okay. We're this will be the last thing I'll touch on, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll come back to this in a, in, a, in about sixty seconds. Um, but um, for me, it's just a matter of like where do you go from here, and it's something we'll talk about. Like I said, um, on the other side of this break, uh, you are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Tomahawk Talk. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, back from our minute break here. Uh, this is Tomahawk Talk. This is Sebastian Giuliano, Jack Oliaro, and Amanda Golson. With a short show, we were just talking about uh, the Heat Sixers series, um, and I'll just pick off right where I left off. Uh, ultimately, I don't know where you go as the Sixers. Uh, Doc, this is another series where the expectation is at least get me to the Eastern Conference Finals for the uh, Sixers and Embiid, um, and he can't get them there. And he's once again thrown uh, a guy under the bus. Ben Simmons might be a guy who deserves to be thrown under the bus uh, yeah. if he is a no show. Um, He's laughing in his uh, Brooklyn apartment. Or yeah, and that's the thing. Like you've you've mortgaged out a lot for Harden, who's gonna ask for a lot of money, um, and overwhelmingly, I think, because um, all of us here, um, as press as fans, are really reactionary. We're like, no, no, don't give him the supermax. And um, you know, you hear from pundits or from players today. It's like there's no team in the league that won't give Harden a supermax. Uh, I'm scared that they're right because. Uh, I really do think that a team will end up giving Harden his money. Can 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 someone get him the money, but not on that supermax deal that um, that's been thrown around? Can he just kind of float his way around, and someone could get him on the cheap, or is that just even is that not even it? I don't think he'll he'll take that. That's the thing. Like, some, there's 30 teams. Someone will unfortunately take that offer. Um, I don't. I can't yeah. think of anyone off the top of my head that might. Oh, I was thinking like, who's the best fit? You know, for. James Harden. Oh wait, the Sixers. The Sixers was a. The Sixers absolutely that's who they were. Needed. That's but, like, exactly who they, they needed. They needed, needed Harden from three years ago. Yeah. They needed like a much younger Harden. Everybody just re- collectively realized, wait a minute, this dude's been in the league for twelve years. They needed eighteen, nineteen. Uh, shoot into your socks, fall off. Um, Houston Rockets, Harden. Yeah, and the same Houston Rockets that went zero twenty-seven in the conference finals and in the last game of the conference that finals. Guy. All you need to get is to you need to get to the finals. Doesn't matter how oh, much yeah. you go from there. Wake up feeling <laughs> dangerous. That's all you need. That's all you need. Um, well, all right, we'll have to see because that uh, Daryl Morey has his work cut out for him. He's got not allowed to room to navigate. 
He's got role players that can't shoot. Shoutouts to Matthias Seibel. And he's got um, a co-star that also is absolutely frigid when he desperately needs him to be in the first and second rounds. Um, so, like I said, he's got his work cut out for him. I was really worried initially um, during those first few games when James Harden came out with uh, Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid started picking things up from James Harden, like being able to shoot from both the mid-range and beyond the arc mm-hmm. as uh, one of the most, one of the biggest bigs in the NBA right now. That is frankly terrifying for any team that has to play the Sixers. But now I'm just not so sure that's going to work out. All right, we're moving on. Um, over to the uh, to the series that ended last night. Rough night for Bo- rough weekend for Boston uh, with uh, two topics that we'll cover um, later on in the show. But for now, let's just get started with a uh, a pick me up uh, for that Boston market. Uh, the Celtics edge out probably the biggest surprise of the season, um, the second largest surprise of the postseason. They uh, trump uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, four games to three over the series. Uh, Absolute classic, honestly. Ended with a shock, uh, really, but uh, some serious perseverance uh, from both sides. But uh, Boston, ultimately, I feel, is the better team, better built out from, better foundationally speaking. Um, Herculean effort by Giannis. Um, That does not count as a Greek pun. Please do not address it as such. (laughs) Um, But, hey, let's just get started. I mean, Chris Middleton, gone for the series. Uh, Terrible injury in that first round. Um, and now, um, without his co-star, I mean, Giannis brought them as far as he possibly could, I think, right? You don't want to say that Chris Middleton's the reason why they didn't maybe get an extra game or uh, maybe the reason they didn't win the series, but what were they lacking? Uh, a guy can shoot up three-pointers and maybe get it done who can help inside. And Chris Middleton was that guy, and he just unfortunately was injured, and there's nothing we can do about that. We were robbed of maybe not a better series because it was a really good series. But maybe we were robbed of maybe the Bucks winning uh, and trying to repeat uh, their title better. But I feel like it really, again, it, the big stat for that last game was uh, the three-point shooting. Four for 33 from three Oof. for Milwaukee. That is, uh, that is for the math, 12, that is 12.12%. 12, yeah. That is abysmal. I don't even know. I could do that. <laughs> not, maybe it, not an NBA. No, I could, I could do I it. I could in, not do that shooting on, like, seven-footers, but... Um, I could maybe do that in a pick-me-up game, and then if anyone knows around here, I'm very bad at basketball. I I could not. I would be gassed within five minutes, as we all know from basketball. Uh, but um, but if if they make maybe five or maybe six, five to five to ten of more of those shots, we have a much closer game, and it's unfortunately not a blowout as it was. Uh, the Celtics the same way, but scratch that and reverse it. Twenty-two from fifty-five. Um. I want to be surprised that they, they they made 22 shots from three, and you know 44%. That's astounding. Uh, but I'm mostly just surprised that they were th- three point. They were three. Say this uh, three times faster. Three, three point attempts away at playoff history at 58, which which was the most three point attempts in playoff history. And guess who? Just guess who? I couldn't tell you. My so I, I, my first guess is obviously going to be Golden State just because of the Splash Brothers. Uh. Close, Houston, back in that eighteen nineteen. Yeah. During when? Really? During eighteen nineteen? I believe it was eight. I believe it was eighteen nineteen. I don't wow. have it written down here, but I was looking at that early, and it was a stat I couldn't get past. Because um, I don't, you don't think of the Celtics. They've sort of taken on this role of being an all-around great team. They're, they yep. can get inside the glass. They can, they can shoot threes. But Game Seven proved they can shoot. They can shoot a lot of threes. It's, it's really amazing because they've got like. They, they apparently ha- found the fountain of youth, and we all thought it was in St. Augustine, but in reality, it's probably um, in one of those public markets because Al Horford had a career series, and he's, like, older than me. He's, like, a million years old. Uh, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of people older than you. So. Well, I'm a million years old. I, I don't actually, know. we need to find somebody who's not older than you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I hate that that is kind of what defines the series. I kind of wish it was that we had a more of an epic classic going towards the end, but that's that's basketball. Yeah. Speaking but, of threes, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Grant Williams went seven for eighteen on threes. Just allowing eighteen attempts from a single player is absolutely that is insane. That that really is nuts, and I think that kind of speaks to the game that was played here, where it was like Boston was more than happy to let Giannis absolutely devour the paint, but as soon as like it came to challenging um, a non-existent non-existent Bucks offense or defense. Uh, from beyond the arc, it was just they'll take that every day of the week. 
Um, incredible, pro- like, uh, what a great program. Uh, what a great franchise. It's mo- like as model franchise as you can get in um, the Eastern Conference, apart from their soon-to-be um, uh, contestants for the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. title, which is the uh, Miami Heat. You know, they th- everybody who walks through these doors here at the station who is from South Florida, will harp on without end, without release, about uh, heat culture, heat culture this, heat culture that. We're about to see um, two of the best-run ships in, in the NBA duke it out in the Eastern Conference. You guys have a prediction for that? In a way, so as a Hawks fan, uh, there's there's beef with the Celtics, going mostly with Al Horford. That's the only recent memories I have. And heat just being the heat, um, being from Orlando, it just they feel like they kind of robbed us. But... Um, both of these teams, again, like you said, very well run for really the past while. No one would have guessed that with all these super teams uh, forming in the East and the West that we're actually having a rematch in the Eastern Conference Finals. Back from the bubble, if anyone can remember. Uh, for the second time in three years, it's going to be Celtics Heat. And it's 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 rewarding. Um, I think it's good for the NBA, not so much as a publicity thing, but good as in the teams that are that maybe do deserve it the most are the ones who are getting there, and maybe just a slap in the face to the teams like maybe the Nets, the Lakers, who just try to put put players in a place and just ah, well, let's see let's what see, happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. these uh, teams are well run. They know what they're doing. They develop youth at a very high level, and it's very very good for the NBA. And it's a more sustainable future. Not flashy, but they get the job done. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, last last comment on that. We'll do this really quick. Who you got, Amanda? In this series, Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics Heat, who you got? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good series. Not to, you know, as you were talking culture, I think home court advantage is going to play a big role in this. You know, like being from South Florida, everyone's talking about the Heat. Like this is like, if you are not at FTX Arena, like, like that's a place to be whenever the Heat are playing. So I really do think that. It's going to be a tough one. Um, I do think they'll probably go to a Game 7 again. I'm. I just feel like I have to take the heat, you know, in Game Seven. Like do a heat check with the heat there. Yeah, <laughs> I. I feel like it would be a disservice to my South Florida roots if I didn't take the heat. Um. So I'll go Heat in Seven. I think it's gonna be a brawl though. Yeah, I personally think that it's. Um, I think you you make some great points. I I, I honestly think that the Heat kind of got lucky on this one in terms of uh, the matchup. Uh, nothing that I saw this season really showed me that they they have fit cracked the the honest enigma, uh, where it's like a how do you uh, take on the biggest big in the NBA right now? That's true. Um, and the answer is usually another big, and they don't really have a guy. I mean, Bam Adebayo is a great player, but I don't like he was. Who's your next best? Maybe PJ Tucker, and that's not even he's not. I no, don't... Uh, my my best my next best I think would be. Hmm. You have to think about it, though. And yeah, maybe, like, I was wrong with the PJ Tucker N- N- bit, Nicole but Jokic? you got to think about it. Does <laughs> it count as big? Anyways, uh, for me, it's it's, it's another seven-game series. The 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 NBA is very clear that they want to they want marathons this year, and we're gonna get another marathon. I think. Um, I I think home court advantage. I also agree, Amanda, is what's going to see this series through. Uh, give me the Heat in seven games, if not six. So I'm going to take uh, the reversal here. I'm going to take the Celtics and six. You always do. You're always picking the... i got to play the fun. Um, <laughs> one thing I noticed is that the Celtics, in their series against the Bucks, um, they can really bury you very quickly. Uh, their, their, wins against, um, their wins against the Bucks. Their lowest was an eight-point win, and that was game four. The rest of them, 23-point win in game two, 13-point uh, win in game six, and 28-point win in game seven. Uh, so if... You can tell by maybe the end of the third quarter, maybe midway through, uh, you can probably tell who's going to win. Uh, I don't know if that's going to translate to Toots or Heat series. Um, they're two very well-disciplined teams. They have great defense, great offense. Um, I'm gonna again. I'm going to lean towards the Celtics because I like um, I like the amount of depth they have. I like that they can go to Jason Jason Tatum, Jason uh, sorry uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, they can go to a lot of different players, or even a guy whose name I didn't even know prior probably to before the series, and Williams, who can put up a monster number of numbers in the Game 7. So I'm going to take the Celtics, and it's going to be done in six. All right. Well, now for the hard part of the NBA for me personally. This is usually when I'm either going to bed or uh, watching something else. This is the Western Conference games. 
Uh, they're usually later. These are games that I find harder to pay attention to just because of their time slot. But we're still going to talk about them anyways because that's what we're here for. Uh, we'll start out with the uh, the upset of upsets. I said that um, for me personally, the um, the Celtics-Bucks matchup was, was kind of an upset. But I think this one is the verifiable biggest upset of uh, the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Mavs edge out the Suns four games to three. Um, and that last game that was last night was not particularly close. Um, Dallas experiencing a one-two punch in both hockey and basketball um, an, an elimination. And like I said, this was not pretty for uh, Phoenix. This was simply put a disaster. What the heck happened, um, Jack? The Suns, uh, the Suns were really the... Um not architects of their own downfall, but if you put up poor numbers like they did uh, last night, it's no surprise you're going to go home. Uh, they controlled their own destiny, and they blew it. They blew it really, really bad. All those last two games they lost, they lost by 25-plus points in each of them. That's that's an average. How how can we be how can we be um, series, in a series clincher, how can you do so poorly when you have shooters like Devin Booker, um, I'm sure someone's reputation I mean, is going to be put a, in the line. I'm looking at the box score right now, and it's a disaster. I mean, where do we even start on Phoenix? Mikael Bridges, like a, like a shooter that they desperately needed to, they, that they kind of saw blossom this year. Six points on 33 minutes. Minus 40 on his plus minus. It doesn't get better from there. It gets so much worse, actually. I uh, saw something the out of, the, like, I guess, the big three for the Suns being Aiton, Booker, and Paul. For one of them, the first time one of them scored was four minutes left in the second quarter, sure. where Aiton had a field yeah. goal, his first field goal for all of them. And Aiton's usually the underrated part of them. He's kind of a he's, he's at least the, the past guy. two seasons yeah. he's the he's the quiet cheat code that, uh, especially in the uh, latter parts of the final or the uh, finals last year, I really saw come to fruition and really uh, prove his worth. And he only finished with five points, like. Yeah. I mean, D-Book's numbers are the most telling. 36 minutes played, 11 points, uh, 3 uh, three for 14, uh, minus 41 on his plus minus. It's just, you, this guy got MVP votes. This guy got, like, high MVP votes. This dude was voted as MVP by several, um, you know, voters for said award. Um, this is unacceptable. I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, he's not got a lot of... Uh, chops at um alary o'brien anymore left in him he's, he's just running out of time maybe he's got what two three serious ones uh left in him 10 points uh four from eight on the field 31 minutes played like this was a disaster by all intents and purposes this was not uh explicitly just a failure by the suns it is um, a basketball game is played by two teams and uh, the Suns walked out like zombies, whereas uh, the Mavericks came absolutely locked in. Yeah, that was a question I was going to pose. Was it, is it, you know, just a show of the Mavericks, or was it just the Suns not playing their best basketball? The Suns had, in two senses, of a, a, a supernova. Uh, the sun had died out on them, and Luka really blew them up. Uh, they, they just, he shot them out of the water. And I don't want to give it all to him, but... He had an insane series with, uh, again, in those elimination games, averaging 39 points. Can we think of a more clutch uh, series elimination um, player? Like you got a heart to maybe the, the big guys. And, no. I got to go, ba- go back to, like, the early 2000s or maybe the late 90s. It's – granted, he's had a young career, but, boy, what a career he has uh, destined for him. This was a game that really puts him on the map in a way that the Suns were put on the map last season. Uh, Dallas are now the team – Dallas are – or Luca led, but we're in for a treat for this conference finals. We that's really for sure. Are. That is, yeah. Uh, I mean, the the most telling stat of the night, the one that's everybody everybody's po- pointed to, was um, by the end of the first half, oh, yeah. the Phoenix Suns had 27 points. And what did by have? by the end of the first half, Luka Doncic by himself had 27 points. And mind you, that is the second most of all time behind himself. <laughs> in Game uh, Seven last year. Against the Clippers, he had 29 points and they lost. in the first half. And they lost. Like, for him to have put those rec- like put those numbers up is just, by himself, in a half a game, is 
mind blowing. He's probably one of the most versatile players because he, he obviously has that three ball down, but then he can just get into the paint and tear you up yeah, if he wants to. He's a big dude too. Another I mean, another stat I had was the Mavs thirty point lead is the biggest game seven lead of all time. Yeah, this is your like Chris Paul man. Like you are also the point guard. You are the point guard opposite Luka Doncic, and you have ten points in in thirty one minutes. This is your point guard, not no. not mine. This is not my point guard. His uh, plus or minus was minus 39, which is the worst of his career. Yeah, it's Paul. Just, and he's blown five leads of um, 2-0, like, I'll say in he the has playoffs. A, he has an epic yeah. – um, some people have epic categories of comeback uh, series of clinchers. He has an epic uh, collection of losing, yeah. of choking, <laughs> if you will. No, absolutely. We've got to give uh, big credit to everybody um, on that Mavs side, including Jason Kidd, their head coach. I mean, uh, everybody – uh, knocked this decision early on in the season. At the beginning of the season, when they saw Jason Kidd come on down, you are uh, the Mavs head coach. Everybody um, around the league clowned on the Mavs for saying this is a terrible decision. This guy stinks. Every team that he's taken up has stunk. Well, guess what? I mean, uh, a coach just like any other position in basketball can get better. You're in the Western Conference semi. You're in yeah. the Western, Western Conference Finals. Yeah, what you were you, you were standing opposite of uh, the Splash Brothers, Draymond Green. And uh, you will play um, the Golden State Warriors in the uh, in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, let's let's go to the Warriors right now. They they eked out their series against uh, the Grizzlies. Didn't make it look very close at the end with one big avalanche uh, to cap off that series. It was uh, it was initially going to be a back and forth affair. It got ugly fast mm-hmm. with that um, injury on Gary Payton the second uh, by. Um, by the Grizz, where uh, Coach Steve Kerr said that uh, the Grizzlies broke the code, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Warriors are having their last laugh. And then the Grizz uh, tried to do, tried to had a had a similar thing uh, when Jaw went down, but it was nowhere close to being the same situation. Uh, wasn't even a wasn't even a flagrant or anything like that. Yeah. But from the series overall, I feel like kind of like how Chris Middleton not being there, we were a little bit robbed of Jaw not being there. And another thing, they're, they're, I, I don't know, because because that team was just as good, if not maybe better, without Jaw. I mean, they were twenty one and six without Jaw. They uh, can do that on one night. I don't think they could have done that. They didn't do it for Game Six, yeah. uh, and I think they really could have. Jaw was there, um, maybe, because those early games came down to one possession, and it was in Jaw's hands. Game one, Jaw really lost with the uh, good defense by uh, Clay Thompson, and uh, he misses the layup, and then. And then he redeems himself with a huge layup to win the game in Game 2. He, despite the loss, I think he's come out as uh, probably one of the guys and made uh, the Grizzlies one of the teams to look forward to in the next uh, couple of seasons. Um, I wish Game 5 went meant more in that historic blowout over Golden State where he wasn't there. And I just think that, well, what if, if Ja comes back for that Game 6 and he's able to maybe you know do half of what he could normally do, that, that, game, that game is uh, that MLA elimination game is probably a classic and i just feel that it could have it could have gone back to memphis pump that trick maybe plays and maybe memphis could win but warriors they were the i think they were the better team overall not exactly the villains that they used to be but they were just straight up a better team ultimately i think the the origin story of the the villain uh, Warriors is just you know the whole my next chapter arc of their story right yes where kd comes to the uh, comes to the organization. Um, neutrals see it as just completely throwing the scales in one side of the favor in between the, those legendary uh, Cavs Warriors series of 16 and 17. Uh, but ultimately, uh, this team is as close to a homegrown uh, superpower as you can get in the NBA. Yeah, can't be mad at them anymore. Yeah, they've they've developed uh, their own. They've held their own. They're they're still just as good as they were five years ago. Again, another ago. team like the Bucks and Cel- or, sorry, excuse me, not the Bucks, but they are pretty good. Uh, the Celtics and Heat, who they've created, ta- they've brought in this young talent, mm-hmm. and they have a superstar too. But you can't say it's all because they're building a team of just yeah. They're putting the toys against saying ah. Yeah. They've they've really. Um, They've really found their way since uh, COVID, and that's how you know things are back. Um, last time, yeah. last last finals that uh, in a pre-COVID world, uh, the Warriors were in. We might be looking at that again. I mean, yeah, but ultimately, um, that that ended in an extremely violent. Like the end of the pre-COVID Warriors was a really nasty way to go, where 
Um, all Injury basically, ridden. yeah, all their superstars were completely burned out or just straight up broken and pretty much down. It was pretty much just Steph towards the end there. Clay uh, absolutely, was out, Clay uh, was Katie out for Ford. Clay was out for over a thousand days in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He like we we came in as sophomore. I came in as a sophomore, and Clay finally took his first uh, steps on an NBA court in a player capacity when I was a fifth year senior. Um, it was a long, long time for uh, for Clay to come back. Uh, but ultimately, we've got um, about five minutes left in the show, so we should start wrapping this up so we can quickly touch back on our last topics of the night. Um, all right. Um, well, who do you got? Yeah. Who do you got? For me, uh, I, I think Jack on our on our show notes has kind of hit it on the head. Um, I do think that um, the Warriors will just barely edge out the, uh, the Mavs. This is an interesting matchup, though, because the problem with the Mavs is that they won't let you um, get free threes uh, akin to, like, I don't know. Um, I'm just not sure now. But I, I that def- that Jason Kidd defense did wonders for them on a lethal offense like the Suns. And the, uh, the Golden State Warriors can just avalanche on you at will, basically. But can they do it on that Mavs defense? And I think they... They might barely be able to. I think experience trumps um, Luka Doncic's supporting cast this year. This uh, series coming up reminds me of last year's Eastern Conference Finals with the Hawks uh, and the Bucks. The Bucks were um, not exactly the established team yet, but they were by far probably the team who was probably the best in the East, and they made sure of it. They were able to get threes up. They had good inside uh, play. Meanwhile, the Hawks, or in this case, uh, the Mavs, are the team who really could have been out in the first round, and we would we wouldn't really be saying too much about it. Um, they've outperformed. They've outperformed um, incredibly um, with uh, Jason's kid, Jason Kidd's relentless defense. There's a clip on uh, on Twitter and social, I believe, of him just uh, relentlessly yelling at his uh, players to what to do on defense, and it was a really great series and a really shows his worth as a coach. After again, what you said earlier, uh, how he was doubted in the season. Again, I wrote this down. I am going to take the Warriors in seven. Um, they do have the home court advantage. I think that's going to play a huge role here. And uh, the Chase Center is going to host. They're going to host the NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm also going to take Warriors. I just think looking at you know, um, looking at rosters here, I think the Warriors have players that can put up consistent numbers. They have, I think, a longer stretch of players that put up consistent numbers. Like you said, it's like the Luca and company, you know, it's like he's the main guy and then there's a couple other guys that are, you know, supporting cast. Um, so I do think that, you know, just the the depth of the Warriors bench is going to um, be a key factor in this. I do think it's going to go to Game 7, like, as I agree with you guys, um, as, you know, these playoffs have been going so far, which is great. I mean, it's competitive basketball. It's, you know, it's what we like to see. So I'm going to take the Warriors – in game seven as well. Okay. You know what makes me sad about that, though? That no, first of all, nobody here picked the, uh, the Mavs, which means that we are potentially denying ourselves the idea to toy around with uh, Mavs Heat 3, oh. uh, which is like there's three very different um, Mavs and Heat lineups. You know, you've got Shaq and Wade in Mavs Heat 1 in 06. You've got um, the first foray of the big three mm-hmm. in Mavs Heat 2, um, where LeBron has his worst finals ever. Wasn't um, that his first with the Heat? Yes, it was, and mm-hmm. it would. It was not pretty. It was not pretty. This man got clamped by J.J. Barea, of all people. Um, but um, And now we, we have the potential. Like It is a possibility. It, it, it's, not a, it's not a guarantee by any means. The, the Mavs are going to have to put in a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And um, Bo- to to disrespect Boston is fatal, yeah, for the Heat. So um, it's like something that could happen, and if it is, I think it's just as good as a matchup as uh, you know Boston Dallas, Boston uh, Golden State, and Golden State Miami. We're kind of spoiled for choice here. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. This is such a good like. Either way, um, the matchup that we're going to see in the finals is going to be. Uh, fantastic! I can't wait. I personally can't wait. I'm not even. I don't even have a, a dog in this fight. Uh, and speaking of dogs in this fight, <clears throat> I feel a little biased uh, judging by my attire, but that's nothing new for me. I will try and cover this next subject as neutrally as I can in the last minute and a half of the show. Um, 
All right, Stanley Cup first round is in the books um, across the league. We're looking forward to the uh, Stanley Cup uh, second round, the uh, semifinals for both uh, both conferences. Whew, here we go. Um, I'm going to start off with Caps-Panthers. I'm going to go as quickly as I can here just so we can wrap this up. Uh, Panthers take the series 2-4, to four, first series win since the Eastern Conference Finals in 1996 before they were unromantically swept by the Colorado Avalanche in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals back in 96. Uh, they have finally slain one of the one of the few demons that they'll have to do in order to try and get back to the Stanley Cup Summit. That's worse uh, than the Leafs. Yeah, it, no, it was for worse than the Leafs. Now um, I'll get to that in a second, though. Um, this was a matter of mentality. I think I, I, now that I've seen the Lightning win back-to-back Stanley Cup titles, that's not a flex. I promise. I'm trying to get to a point here. Um, I now understand how difficult it is to get there. And a team has to, in a Stanley Cup run, slay its demons. Um, for for Florida, the first step is obviously to make it past the first step, to get past the second round. And I think the Capitals have prepared them pretty well for their upcoming opponents, simply because they are a team that understands what to do, how to win. Um, the Washington Capitals made the series so uncomfortable for the, mo- for the best offensive team in the league this year. President's Trophy winners... Uh, Florida Panthers just because they f- they forced Pan- Florida to not play uh, f- the game that Florida wants to play. They instead had to play according to the Washington Capitals. It's what made this series so tight. 4-2 is extremely deceptive. That was a game-winning series-clinching overtime goal by Sam Reinhart. Um, it is going to be like it's a great first step. It's like a, it's a huge breakthrough for Florida. Next up is um, another really big demon that they have to face, um, and it's the winner of the uh, the last se- or of the uh, of another Eastern Conference matchup, and that is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning against the t- uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs uh, have demons of their own. We've we've gone into them with detail. No cups in '67. No first round advancement since 2004. Um, I was. What was I? I was seven. No, I was six the last time uh, the Maple Leafs advanced past the second round. I don't think I could say the words lightning at age two. So. Yeah. <laughs> or Maple Leafs. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, did, they did a Toronto. They did what they do. They that's blow a, leads. That's honestly Three, a dis- two series lead. It's a disser- that is a disservice to both Toronto and both uh, Tampa, I think. That's a little rea- overreactionary, just for my take. The biggest, I think, stat that I heard um, online was that uh, in the regular season, they played four games and it was back and forth. It was, um, it was, um, it was uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and it kept going back and forth in the mm-hmm. playoff series. Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay. We head into Game Seven, judging ten games. There, no team has won twice, and then the last game, the eleventh game. That's where that's where ele- that's where mentality comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where championship mentality comes in. Um, once upon a time, the Lightning did not have this mentality. They were in the exact same position as Toronto. Mm-hmm. I call back to 2018 when they were in a series against, guess who? The Washington Capitals. They're up 3-2 in the series. They're going home for game six. Um, this is a team of destiny. Whoever, um, if they can just take one more game, they'll be through to the Stanley Cup Finals. They'll finally have that monkey of escaping the Eastern Conference off their back. Um, they Whoever's coming out of the Western Conference Finals, uh, be it um, San Jose or Vegas, they are going to crush. Um, you can all but pr- plan the the parade in Tampa at this point, um, but they can't do it. Stonewall um, embarrassed in um, embarrassed in Washington, and then stonewalled here in um, or down in Tampa, 3-0 uh, to end the series. Um, bitter, bitter loss for that team, mm-hmm. but one that they had to experience in order to grow into the team that they would become. Um, ultimately. Um, this series um, kind of—I have to hand it to Toronto because you can do everything right, like they did. They uh, they they had the edge on every single metric except um, they did everything right. This, it's 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 very frustrating for anybody in the Toronto market to explain what went wrong here because nothing really did. Their regular season beast, Mitch Marner, had a great season, uh, and Austin Matthews obviously gets to the sixty goal mark. So yeah. it's just frustration after frustration. And last year when they lost the Montreal Canadiens, that was the lowest point. This one they could hang their uh, heads a little bit more on this one. It but doesn't. It's it's like this is oh, 
every year that passes for teams that are built like Toronto is right now is a year that goes by on your window. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's exasperating to hear that stuff where it's like you can hang your hat on that. No, you can't because this is another year where they don't escape the first round. It's it's exhausting. Yep. Um, I'll just tap really quickly on the uh, other side of the Eastern Conference bracket. Um, Bruins, uh, the oldest, <laughs> the oldest dirt Bruins. Um, like uh, lose to the Hurricanes in another series clinching overtime win in Game Seven. Uh, thrilling, thrilling season a series. A sleeper for probably season, series of uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the oldest are Penguins edged out just in, in the exact same way. Overtime game winning goal or series winning goal um, by the New York Rangers. Um, a much, much younger team. A team that will threaten for the Stanley Cup championship. Maybe even this year. Who knows? They've got to get through um, Carolina, Carolina, who's uh, probably closer to that mark of a Stanley Cup winning team potentially um, because the Strangers project is finally uh, nearing fruition. Who knows if this is going to be the year. Um, And then uh, touching on the West Coast, uh, Western Conference, which we don't really pay attention too much to here um, on the East Coast. Um, Preds um, unromantically swept by the Avalanche. Um, Blues edge out the wild. Uh, and we've got a battle for Alberta on deck uh, with the uh, Flames and Oilers uh, due up on Wednesday uh, to start their series. Okay, now, um, I just want to, last thing we'll talk about, because we're already over time by five minutes. Um, like, basically, no pun intended, the lightning round, where we've got the uh, battle for Florida. We'll talk about this um, in detail next week, but um, it, there will be blood. There will be blood um, on I-75, which is the connective tissue between Sunrise and um, downtown Tampa. I'm excited. I am so friggin' excited for this series and the Battle of Alberta. Um, While the NBA Conference Finals matchups are very interesting, these are interesting because they will be the most toxic series you will possibly see in hockey. It's going to be great. Um, unfortunately, actually, I, I do believe we are out of time, so I can't really touch on them any further. Um, you just have to come back. I will just have to come <laughs> back. Um, and I'm, I don't know. Why do I have to be out of the country when I actually have a shot to, to host next week? This sucks. Anyways, um, uh, for Amanda, for Jack, who's not in the booth, but actually my co-host, and I very much appreciate um, both of y'all's help with tonight's show. And for myself, Sebastian Andriano, this has been Tomahawk Talk. Uh, I'm not really sure if new release is out next, uh, up next, but what I, it is actually there. There's Louis, speak of the devil, and he shall appear. This is badass. Um, but um, you are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.